because lower veneers, you need a lot of space if you want to do porcelain. I only do porcelain veneers on lower incisors whenever I'm raising the vertical dimension of occlusion, because then I, I can have a lot of space, Jazz. But if I don't have that space, which we never do have that space, then we can do a very thin layer of composite. Welcome to the Protrusive Dental Podcast, the forward-thinking podcast for dental professionals. Join us as we discuss hot topics in dentistry, clinical tips, continuing education, and adding value to your life and career. With your host, Jazz Gulati. Hello, Protrusorati. I'm Jazz Galanti, and welcome back to another episode of Protrusive Dental Podcast. Today, we're joined by Dr. Javier Queros from Costa Rica, who is one of the best dentists I know when it comes to composite resin artistry. Like This guy has been doing it for so long to such a high caliber. I look at his work and I think, wow. And I want to basically piece apart his thinking process, how he uses composite. What are the best ways to get the maximum results using composite resin? And what are the sort of limits? When should you consider ceramic? Which is a theme we've covered before in the podcast, but it's always great to have new perspectives. And what I gathered after recording with Dr. Quiroz is that he's very pro-composite, but he's also someone who's placed, you know, thousands of units of ceramic as well. So he can give us the lowdown on them both. Some of the main themes we cover in this part one episode, because again, it's one of those amazing episodes that is full of so much value that I had to split it into two and you guys voted for it on the Protrusive Dental community and on at Protrusive Dental Instagram page. I gave you a couple of options. I gave you composite additive equilibrations and I gave you high-end cosmetic rehabilitations. Uh, so one was like more occlusion based, one was more actually composite as a material itself and you guys selected composite for this round. So after the part two, then I'll release the one about additive equilibration with the composite. So that'll be a really good one as well. But for this one, the kind of themes we cover in today's episode is how much can you lengthen teeth safely with composite, which is kind of an occlusion question as well, but it gives us some guidelines to follow in terms of what substrate, what kind of composite, uh, and, and planning your occlusal design and smile aesthetics. I asked Dr. Quiroz's experience on how long composite veneers are lasting. He's been doing it for about 20 years, so let's hear it from him. With his patient base, how long do they tend to last, what are the kind of issues, and at what point do they happen? And we also cover the theme of what kind of case is best suited to the young dentist. So a few years qualified and you're starting to do more anterior composite work. Perhaps you're doing just basic restorations or you're going to go for some composite veneers or edge bonding. What is the ideal case to start with? Because you want to go with baby steps, right? I mean, I'm a big believer in that. You know, you want to go for the uh, most complex edge-to-edge -edge bite uh, composite veneers. You want to start off with the easier, low expectations, low lip line kind of thing. So we cover uh, that kind of basis. The protrusive dental pearl I have for you today uh, is a video that I'm going to play for those watching. But for those listening, I'm you know you'll easily catch what I'm trying to say with this pearl, which is the use of what we call the KC3C instrument. There's a couple of varieties of this, but I've shared this before on this podcast. It's an instrument distributed in the UK by Enlighten, who are the sole distributors of Cosmodent products. And if you're around the world, then find your Cosmodent dealer because they have this particular instrument. Now, what I love about this instrument, and I'm playing a video for those watching, uh, but for those listening, I'm actually building up a lateral incisor freehand, okay? I'm not doing a wax up. I'm doing like kind of like a mini rehab here. I've just done a canine riser, and now I'm building up the upper lateral incisor. And I'm instead of using my finger, like I used to use my glove thin, finger, then I used to use like a, a mylar strip phase, and now I use this KC instrument because it's got a perfect spade shape with a curve in it that beautifully forms the lingual or palatal contours of your incisors. So because it's a non-stick material, I've placed that up against the lateral and I'm literally using it as my stent, my palatal stent for my composite holding it in place. And I'm using another one of these same instruments, but the other side of it, which is um, a very thin, again, beautifully curved instrument. And it's actually designed for you to also use it with composite veneers. Uh, so this instrument, I like it so much because it's got that sort of uh, three planes on it that really allows you to adapt the composite in a way that it creates those correct angles and emergence profiles that you need. So I'm a huge fan of this instrument. So once again, that's the Casey Instruments. These are designed by one of my buddies, Dr. Carlos Sanchez. Now, interestingly, it's Dr. Carlos Sanchez whose episode we're looking forward to next, talking about additive equilibration. So it's nice how that one weaved in, but he designed this instrument uh, and I've been using it for a few years now since I attended the mini smile makeover course with Dipesh Palmer, because that's where I learned how to use it. And I'm just 
absolutely love it. And I want the world to know uh, how much I like it. So that's my big tip. If you're looking for a composite instrument, this is my favorite instrument. So if you look in my uh, box of instruments, I've got about three or four of these specific ones. Because another tip that Payman Langrudi gave me is that instead of buying eight different instruments, buy like multiple of the one instrument that you absolutely love using. So I keep my composite protocols very simple. So this is the main instrument I use and it comes in a sort of smaller, thinner one as well, which is great for like lowering sizes and stuff. So uh, check out the KC instrument. Uh, I'll put the links in the show notes, protrusive.co.uk, so you can get to those easily. Uh, and now let's get to the main episode and I'll catch you in the outro. Dr. Javier Quiros, all the way from Costa Rica. Welcome to the Protrusive Dental Podcast. How are you, my friend? Very good. Thank you, Jess. It's, it, I'm, I'm very honored to to be with you and with all your listeners. I mean, I, I told you this last time we briefly met, we had to reschedule this recording because there, there was a storm. And when I say storm, most countries would it laugh at the UK and say, you, know, you call that a storm? It was, it was, for us, it was a big deal, but for the rest of the world, they were laughing at us. But, but uh, we rescheduled and, you know, I was speaking to you briefly then, and it's just an honor to have people, the caliber of dentists like you listen to the podcast. It just drives me uh, like, wow, like, I can't you. believe that. So uh, thank you so much for your listenership and, and, and joining now the thank community to, to help and support on, on a pretty big topic, composite versus ceramic, which I'm really excited to delve deeper in today. But for those people who haven't seen your wonderful work before, don't know much about you, you. please introduce yourself, uh, Dr. Javier Queros. Well, I'm Javier and I'm from Costa Rica and I am a restorative dentist. I also a prosthodontist uh, and I work here in Costa Rica. I teach and I, I'm, I'm, I'm a wet finger dentist. I see maybe uh, from five to 10 patients per day. And I do, I do a lot of uh, full mouth rehabs and a lot of aesthetic dentistry. And today, what I would like to share with you guys is my, ex my experience of over 20 years of teaching and private practice about which material to choose whenever it comes to cosmetic dentistry and full mouth rehabilitation. So thank you, Jazz, for your kind invitation. Guys, we're in for an absolute treat. I know it. Uh, I mean, just behind. So those of you who are listening, don't worry. I mean, uh, Javier listens to the podcast when he's on the treadmill. So he appreciates that. Yes. If you're just listening, if you're driving, yes. if you're chopping onions, he will make it very descriptive for you. But for those of you who are watching yes. it, oh my goodness, you get to see the beautiful work that Javier does. But Javier has promised that he's going to make it really descriptive so and really tangible. So even if you're not watching, it's okay. You're going to get the real deal. So let's start with a, a big question straight off the bat. Let's start with bigger picture before we niche down. Why is it yes. that in the last, for me, I think I really started to notice composites take go huge in about 2013 when I was qualifying uh, and I started to see more and more from that point uh, composite veneers going quite big. Um, what drove those trends? And what about you as a, as a wet-fingered practicing clinician for over 20 years, at what point did you start saying, okay, wow, this composite stuff, it works well for veneers. When did that shift happen for you as well? You know, Jazz, I, I started like everybody else. I thought my lab technician could solve my problems. And so I just prepped teeth and sent that impression to my lab technician and hope that he could solve all the aesthetic problems that my patients were having and build those smiles like I would imagine them too. But you know what? I was very disappointed when I saw that my lab technicians could not make a smile the way that I wanted to. So uh, I started looking at, at uh, composite veneers and then I, I, I had a, an epiphany. It was, was that if I didn't learn how to make teeth myself, myself, just not my lab technician, but myself, then I will not, never be able to, to do a, a great smile on my patients. And so uh, I started uh, first doing porcelain, but then my lab technicians would do something else that I didn't want it to. So I first do them in composite, then prep on top of composite, and then my lab technician only had to do a very thin porcelain veneer, and I would bond it on top of my composite. But then I was doing the work twice, you know? Mm. Then I find out the wonderful material that is microfill composite which is a very thin layer that I put on my veneers at the end, microfill composite. And that looks just like enamel. It looks just like feldspathic porcelain. And so that was my trip. It's been 20 years. So I started with full porcelain. Then I moved to uh, feldspathic, then uh, composite and porcelain. And now I do microhybrid composite and microfill composite on top. And you know what? Uh, Jazz, I'm an independent dentist. I don't, uh, I don't rely on my lab technicians for them to build the smiles. I'm the sole responsible 
of how my patients look at the end of our appointment. And I'm so happy and I'm so free because of that. I, be, I have all kinds of experiences with my lab technicians. You know, I was doing maybe one or two cases of porcelain veneers per week. And suddenly my lab technician just doubles his fee. Or suddenly my lab technician says that he didn't want to do any more felspathic because he mm-hmm. bought a CAD cam. And now I had to prep three quarter crowns because his CAD cam would not read my preparations because they were too conservative. Mm-hmm. So, 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 I mean, sounds like it was a born out of frustration initially, uh, yes, and then it evolved yes, into it uh, an, an artistic form for you, uh, and then it gave you full control. Now, you mentioned a few important things in there. Now, a lot of my listeners uh, will know about the difference between microhybrid, uh, micro microhybrid composites and microfill, uh, but for those who don't, yes. please, can you just explain the chemistry a little bit behind them and why microfills are, so, have such beautiful polishability? Like for, um, the one that I'm aware of in the market in the UK is by also but yeah, Cosmodent is Renamel, uh, which is just a, still yes. a beautiful composite. Uh, Dipesh Palmer teaches it on his two-day course in the UK, uh, and it is. It, it, I've been there twice now. What a beautiful composite that 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 shine it has. I'm yet to find uh, another composite to give that. But that's all behind the chemistry uh, of it. So if you just describe the differences in those two composites, just briefly. Yes. So here in the screen for those in YouTube, I have microhybrid composite, which is a stronger material because it has bigger particles. So. It blocks unwanted color. It's got great flow. It's got the best tensile strength and it's the best material for incisal edges and is very strong for posterior teeth. So if you, this is a, a slide that I, that I, if you guys are not looking at this, you can see in an SEM slide or a photograph, you can see big particles of, of filling material on your composite. And those big particles makes the microhybrid composite very strong. It's very strong. It's, it, this is compared to maybe what, uh, maybe Emacs or maybe so, something like that, you know, very strong. But then it's microfill composite. Microfill composite is a very small uh, filler content material. And it polishes to an enamel like luster, it's very translucent. Uh, and it's got long-term wear resistance because the particle is so small that whenever you get one of those fillers to pop out, the, the eye will not see it. So they come back, your patients will come back with their veneers still polished. You don't have to polish them every time that you see them. It's very mm-hmm. color stable. The only disadvantage is that it has the lowest strength of both of them. Microhybrid is stronger. So what you have to do is first put microhybrid and then microfill composite on top of them. And then you will have great results. Um, jazz like like the ones that you've seen. Well, the the only one that we just to be complete uh, for the geeks out there, the only one we yes. haven't uh, mentioned is a nanofilled, which is the best of both worlds, right? We can assume that that's the best of both worlds, uh, and because uh, I really want to get into the you know, composite versus ceramic debate with you, so it's just good to know, guys, that these are three main groups composites, and and why Javier described you know the micro hybrid almost like the core ceramic, if you like, equivalent, uh, and the the microfill like a layering ceramic in, in an equivalent way. Uh, to, to, you know, we, we adopt that thinking. So but my, uh, nano, to, to follow up on your question, na- nano is, is like a blend of both of them, Jazz. And if you want to have just one material, then you can, you can pur- purchase nanofill. But if you want the strongest, you first put microhybrid. Microhybrid is even stronger than, than nano. Uh, uh, and if you want the, the, uh, the one that polishes the best, then you use microfill. Microfill polishes better than nano. So if you want the best results, you have to use both materials. Uh, you see, um, I agree with you fully, but um, what about for lower incisors? Let's say you're doing a toothwear case mm. and you're doing lower incisors. Uh, let's say you're doing veneering the facial and coming onto the incisal edge to build some height. Now, the, the incisal edge and the facial of a lower incisor is the functional surface. Like, w- would you, do you, like me, shy away from using microfill there? Uh, how do you manage that scenario? Well, you know what? I've been doing that for maybe 20 years now, um, composite on lower veneers. Why? Because lower veneers, you need a lot of space if you wanna do porcelain. I only do porcelain veneers on lower incisors whenever I'm raising the vertical dimension of occlusion, because then I I can have a lot of space jazz. But if I don't have that space, which we never do have that space, then we can do a very thin layer of composite. 
And I, I, most of the times, I still do all my microhybrid on the incisal ledges and then a layer of microfill on, in the front. And I will not get any breakage, just, you know, and as was mentioned, uh, microfill composite wears less fast than nano or microhybrid because, because of the filler is so small that wears very slowly. I don't know if you remember heliomolar, which was used for posteriors uh, by Ivoclar. Uh, mm. It was a great material for posteriors, and it was a microfill composite. And, and the wear was less on heliomolar than on their microhybrids because of the filler contact. The same thing happens with lower incisors. And, and I haven't done a porcelain veneer on lower incisors in so long. I do a lot on uppers. But on lowers, I stay away from porcelain because, because composite, I can make it even thinner than porcelain and it will last for years. They will be wearing away. Uh, I, have had, I have seen patients that come back 10, uh, even 20 years later with my composite veneers that they had been worn down after that. But, but, they, but they don't get a disastrous come up when a porcelain veneers breaks and then you have to replace the whole thing. You know, so they're very long lasting and I would not recommend my, my colleagues to do porcelain veneers, thin porcelain veneers on lower incisors. Believe me, I've been through that, Jess. Are you enjoying the Protrusive Dental Podcast? Well, allow me to deliver you even more value. You can now download the iOS or Play Store app for free. Just search Protrusive on your app platform. Now, if you're a true Protrusive and you want to support the podcast, you want to claim CPD for all the listening and watching that you do, you want to get access to exclusive clinical walkthrough videos to make dentistry tangible, as well as a premium newsletter, access to the Protrusive Vault, and the ability to download all the clinical videos and podcast videos so you can view them offline later, you can get all of that for less than 15 tax-deductible dollars per month. So what are you waiting for? Download the Protrusive app now on iOS or Android for absolutely nothing. We work so hard on this Protrusive team, and I know you're just going to love it. Now back to the main episode. What, what, you raised an interesting point about when we have a lack of space uh, and therefore you favor composite in those scenarios. I had this notion that even for composite, you need like a, a minimum thickness for, you know, it's strong and compressive, but you still need a minimum thickness. Uh, but you seem to suggest that, okay, perhaps we can go uh, thinner than ceramic. So um, is there a minimum thickness on the incisal edge? Yes, you need a millimeter. You need a, definitely mm -hmm. one millimeter, okay, and uh, on the incisal edge. And uh, if, you, if you get a millimeter, then your veneers will last you 10 years, Jazz. Uh, for a millimeter. Of course, if you have a grinder or a, uh, a uh, bruxer, then, then you need a, a night guard for those patients, definitely, okay? But you will never have a, a composite veneer break on you uh, on a lower incisor. You will have it on fulspathic porcelain, uh, but you will never have it in, in composite. They will wear away years after, you know? And then you, they come back and you just sandblast and add to them but you don't have to replace the whole thing which is what i why i love composites on lower incisors well we touched on it already now so let's go to the the big question of this uh, of this episode which is ceramic yes. versus composite now uh, if you don't mind i just want to share a little bit of, of, of where i'm coming from and i'd love for you to then take it a, a, yes. away here is that when it comes to the debate, when you've decided that, okay, you want to go for an aesthetic enhancement uh, and you're coming up to the decision between, okay, should we go composite or should we go ceramic? For me, the biggest player is is age. Age is a huge consideration for me. And the younger the patient, the more likely I'm going to go for composite. Um, pretty much all of my uh, ceramic veneer patients have been always above 50. It's just been my, my, my past. I want to know what, what you feel about that. However, some dentists have told, you know, suggested in the groups that I'm part of that uh, when I posted a case, I said, oh, the, uh, the, there isn't much enamel. Uh, I don't want to go ceramic. I, I'll just put composite. And I, in my head, I'm thinking, well, they both are adhesive dentistry. They both need good substrate. They both need good enamel. So I kind of disagree with that, but I'd, like, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. So what is the decision-making tree? What are the things that you look at when you're deciding between a composite rehab and a ceramic rehab? Well, the, the first thing is that older patients have a lot more wear on their teeth, Jess. So I can do composite veneers on older patients every time that I address their occlusion. If I do not address their occlusion, then, then I will have problems, Jess. Don't you agree? Mm -hmm. You have to address their occlusion. 
Okay, so what is that? We have to have functional occlusion. So every time that I see one of those older patients with wear on their teeth, I do a wax up, Jazz. And nowadays it's so much easier because you can do it in ExoCAD. You don't even need to wax it up yourself. You can ExoCAD it, you know? And so what I do on those wax ups is that I give my patients uh, uh, anterior guidance and canine disocclusion, Jazz. And with that, I, I am guaranteeing myself that those patients are going to keep their teeth and their veneers in well condition for a very long time. Believe me, if you do anterior guidance, this uh, occlusion and canine rise, you will have functional occlusion and your veneers will last a very long time, Just You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's being a long road. But believe me, mm-hmm. if you if you do the, if you use the right material, which is microhybrid and microfill, and you use the right occlusion, which is anterior guidance and canine disocclusion, which is brought from the wax up to the patient's mouth with a uh, uh, matrix, a, P, a polyvinyl saloxane matrix, or a clear matrix, then you will get the the best of both worlds. You will get the the advantage of an indirect restoration. With the, with the advantages of a direct one. And, and I get great success with that every time that I address occlusion. Don't get me wrong, I still do a lot of porcelain jazz. I still do mm-hmm. a lot of it. But I, I see composite as a, as a, as a material that has, that has the same quality as porcelain. I don't see it as a second tier material. I see it as a, a first grade material that I can offer my patients every single day and, you know, if you learn how to make teeth, you will definitely be able to, to do veneers every single day in your practice instead of doing once per month a case of veneers or once a week a case of veneers. I have, I have some colleagues that say, you know what, I can only do one case of veneers per week because of my lab technician capacity to do them. What if I tell you that I do one case every single day? because mm-hmm. I do them myself or my colleagues here in my office do them themselves, you know, and that mm-hmm. is freedom. That is freedom. When every dentist that learns how to make teeth has the freedom to do whatever they want every single day and not saying to their patients, you know, I'm going to call my lab technician and see if he can have the case in two weeks, you know, mm-hmm. two weeks with temp- with temporaries and then the temporaries fall and then the sensitivity and all those problems, they, you don't have those problems with composite veneers and you will get beautiful aesthetics and very long lasting cases. I've, I have done hundreds of cases in porcelain. Like I told you, I love felspathic porcelain, but then, then with cat cams, you don't get that anymore. You get only mm-hmm. very thick veneers. And when you yeah, get it's, thick it's, it veneers- It seems to be a dying art. It is a dying art. It is a dying art. And since felspathic is dying, composite is racing. You, you said it mm-hmm. yourself at the beginning of the, uh, of the uh, mm-hmm. podcast. Composite is, is striving because we dentists feel the need to have control to do conservative dentistry. And, I mean, when my, when my lab technician told me, you know what, I just bought a $200,000 CAD CAM machine and now you are going to have to prep on your veneers three quarter crowns. I said, no. I'm not going to compromise my values. I, I'm not going to do on my patients what I don't want to be done in my mouth. I, I just go ahead and very likely prep, maybe 0.3 or even sometimes less just, and I add my incisal edges with microhybrid composite and then in the front with microfill composite, and they turn out beautiful. They last for a long time. Of course, I have to address occlusion, like I tell you, anterior guidance, canine disocclusion, posterior support, and you have a winner. And if it's a mm-hmm. bruxer and if it's young, it's even easier because, because you just raise the vertical dimension of occlusion and then you have tons of spaces, which we can talk about that as well later on. For sure. And I mean, the, the immediate thing that I'm thinking uh, already is, okay, so you're obviously a big fan of composite, but you play so many uh, porcelain yes. units as well. When yes. is it nowadays that you will then consider uh, c- ceramic uh, ahead of that? And then also uh, later do want to touch on, you mentioned about the, the prepping. 
most of the composite veneers that I see on social media are claimed to be no prep. So they will say on the in, in the Instagram description, you know, zero injection, zero preparation, very yes. proud of it, that, that kind of stuff. Uh, but but yes. you're uh, obviously uh, putting the occlusion aside. Um, I'd love to hear from you about, okay, where does that 0.3 millimeter come in? Is that for space reasons or is that for uh, other reasons? Um, if you just go into that as well, uh, as well as yes. addressing, okay, well, at what point are you actually going for ceramic then? Yes. Uh, well, I still go to cer with ceramic whenever I have very destroyed teeth, yes. Whenever mm -hmm. I have, you know, class threes in between each tooth and class fours, and, and I have uh, uh, a, a lot of different colors in different teeth, and then I have to uh, mask everything. And it's just, just it will, I, I cannot fix a smile in the morning. I go with porcelain. But if I and can fix case, a smile in one morning. And in that case, I do, I do both. I do crowns and I do veneers, you know? And the other thing is that also if my patient can afford it, because I, you know, if you want to do conservative dentistry, you have to have a very expensive lab, lab technician, you know, that can do a 0.4 or 0.5 millimeter veneer. And I, I, my, I don't know in, in, in the UK, but here in Costa Rica, the, the, the lab technicians that can do that charge a, a, as much as, as, as maybe half of my veneer fee, you know? Mm -hmm. And so if my patient can afford it, then I go ahead and do porcelain. And if I think that is worth it, like you said, maybe patients that has very destroyed teeth or older patients, then I go with porcelain. I still do a lot of porcelain, but, um, I was blessed to learn how to make teeth and, and, you know, I'm not a very, and I'm not a very dexterous uh, de uh, dentist. I, I was. I just learned how to do it. I, I took a plane. I went to Chicago and took all of their courses at the CAA in Cosmodent. And then I went to see Dr. Newton Fals in in Brazil. And then I went to see Dr. Um, Pascal Manier in California. And then I learned how to make teeth. And then I practice and practice and practice and practice. And now I'm a free dentist. You know, whenever I feel to call my lab technician and say, you know, I have here a porcelain veneer case for you, I can do that. But most of the time nowadays, after 20 years of practice, I, I tell you, I do most of them in composite. And I'm so happy and so free because of that, that I keep doing them and I offer them to my patients. I also have, you know, I'm already 52 years old. So I have, I've been teaching this technique a lot. So I have a lot of dentists uh, with me that also do it. And they also have seen the value of learning how to make teeth. That also translates in posterior dentistry, in posteriors. I used to do a lot of inlays and onlays on Emacs. And, and you know, uh, it's, sometimes it's frustrating trying to make them fit, you know, the contact points and the occlusion and everything. And, and then I found out that I could do the direct indirect technique also in posterior teeth. And so now I make full mouth rehabs with tabletops of composite in the posteriors, anterior composite veneers, raising vertical dimension in centric relation occlusion. And I give them anterior guidance and canine disocclusion every single day. Uh, you know, I was, I was li listening to Dr. Patel, your invited dentist last month about full mouth rehabilitations, and he's right. You know, if you look closely at your patients, 80% of them need a full mouth, Jazz, because they all have wear, they all have in interferences in the, in the back, so they have wear in the front. And so if you raise them, their vertical occlusion with just a little bit of composite, and then you give them anterior guidance and, and, and cane and rise, they, they will have, it, they love you for doing that because their problems are gone. Their teeth are not breaking anymore. Their muscles relax in centric occlusion. Their joints are healthier. You know, it's such a beautiful time to be a dentist, Jess, I tell you, you know. Oh, that's my favorite thing. I, I'm always, always, always uh, vouching for that, that, you know, now is a great time. Oh, there's so much doom and gloom, but there's a, never been a better time to be a dentist. I'm so glad you said that. You know. I, I have, you know, I have a scanner now and I, and I look like a kid scanning all my patients, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I used to say, I used to say, no, you know, you will never replace polyvinyl siloxane. And now I do replace it every day, you know, with my yeah, scanner, yeah. you know, so 
uh, it's such a great time to be a dentist. It's, it's just the great, great materials that we have, the, uh, the, uh, the adhesive dentistry that you have to believe in. Just forget about metal. Forget about porcelain fused to metal. You know, my, you know what my lab technician used to tell me? Javier, you have to grind, uh, prep your teeth until you see pink so that I have a lot of space for my porcelain fused <laughs> to metal. You know? And I used to do wow. that, Jazz. I tell you, I'm yeah. so regretful because I would never do that on my mother or my sister or myself. I would never mm. do that. And I used to do it. And now... I, you know, it is very rare when I get into denting, <laughs> unless my patient already has crowns or already has big class four restorations. I, I, I stay on enamel all the time. Either if I'm working with porcelain or even if I'm working in composite, I stay on enamel because enamel is the high road, as Pascal Manier says. You work in enamel, you're working on a, on a high tier uh, place. You work in dentin and then it goes down. You mm-hmm. do root canals and it's even lower biomimetic dentistry. So if you stay in enamel on vital teeth, you have a winner. And that's when your cases will last 10, 20 years. You know what, Jazz? Uh, I'm going to tell you a, a secret here. I graduated mm-hmm. 30 years ago as a dentist when I was 22 here in Costa Rica. And then I went to the States to do my postgraduate uh, studies. And I stayed there for five years studying uh, and working. And so I can see now my patients that I did some work more than 20 years ago. All those patients that I wrecked their teeth with crowns, they come back for implants now. All those patients that I was conservative and I did veneers on them, they come back for more veneers. So that's a very humble admission way? of you. That's a, and that's very good to hear. You know, oh there's, a, there's no better you know, teacher I than seeing your own recalls. Than time. You know, time is your, is your judge. And, you know, I have so much enamel on my back, Jazz, that I'm regretful of doing, of prepping mm-hmm. all those teeth. I used to brag how my preps were perfect. And I used to brag how, much, uh, how many full mouths, 28 crowns I can do in a year. And now I regret all that. Because I know that that technology was available, but I didn't understand it until maybe, what, 10 or 15 years ago, Jazz? Well, I, I think I, I think you're being a bit harsh on yourself, uh, as you know, Javi. I think uh, yeah. obviously advancements, <laughs> advancements, dentistry. Yes. You did what was what, yes. right at the time. We went, you know, you you were yes. practicing through the the um, uh, porcelain deficiency years. Uh, you know, the whole uh, everything was veneers. You you know, you you prepped I through know. those years, and now you've totally embraced uh, minimally invasive yes. dentistry. And you're you know you're you're a champion yes. of that, and you're singing that. So uh, you know, don't worry about that. Yes. Everyone's got skeletons in their, in their closets. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's very know, a nice admission of you. So we we appreciate that i'm i'm trying to be as open as i can be with you guys because i don't want you guys to go through the same thing as i as i've been through the last 30 years Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know which which i regret doing some things and then i found out that the golden rule is true if you do on your patients what you would do on your mouth then they will Mm -hmm. come back you know they Mm -hmm. feel that they're not dumb they know that you're doing the best for them and the best for them is conservative dentistry. So I would strongly suggest either, it doesn't matter what material you guys choose, porcelain or composite. What matters is what are your belief cores, your morals. And it, what it matters is what, what, uh, what are your principles of, of treatment planning. And if your treatment plan for conservative dentistry, then it doesn't matter if you do use uh, acrylic, because it mm-hmm. will work, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, it, there are times where you have to prep, and I still prep, you know? But there are times when you can be conservative. And so if you see that you can be conservative, then you go ahead and be conservative. And, and do that every day, and you'll be a happier dentist. T- totally agree. And, uh, you know, in my own experiences, uh, I'm not doing so many crowns. I'm only doing crowns and I'm replacing old crowns. Uh, but even when yes. I have to do a crown nowadays, posteriorly, if I'm, you know, with the whole, uh, I don't know if you do much uh, vertical preparations, but the the, amount, the minimal amount of um, tooth structure you can remove now to do crowns with feather edge zirconia is 
absolutely uh, amazing. But anyway, we digress. We've gone a bit it's big amazing. picture. I'm going to go uh, back into little details now because um, we, we touched on it. And I know the Pruturusrati are hungry for this because you mentioned about doing uh, a full mouth composite rehabilitation whereby you've got your beautiful um, anterior veneers with the micro layered with the microfill on top. And then posteriorly, uh, you've got your composite uh, tabletops. Now, um, it, are the, do the rules change a bit here? Now, are you aiming for more thickness of posterior composite here than on the anterior? Or is it? have you found success with one millimeter still because you are remaining in enamel? I'd, I'd love to know that. Well, for, for your YouTube fans, Jazz, I would like to show you these preps. I was so proud of doing this kind of preps. Not anymore. Now I show this like showing a wreck, you know? Uh, now I'm, I, I, I love to be conservative and I, I love uh, composite resins because I can be as conservative as I can, you know. And so let me show you for your YouTube fans a little bit of, of what we can do. The, I'm showing here, Jazz, a, 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 a patient that came into my office that had a gummy smile. You know, she told me, you know, doctor, I have a gummy smile. And when I look at her mouth inside, in, uh, inside of her mouth, I could see a lot of wear. These are a lot of patients that they're in their 30s and they, they have a very vibrant life. And because of stress and because of grinding, they have worn down their teeth. And as you can see here in the pictures, we always ask ourselves, how much can we lengthen teeth? Should we lengthen it to the gingival or should we lengthen it to the incisal? It depends on their rest position. If the rest position, they show less than three millimeters, then we can lengthen them incisally. Uh, have you can just also ask, it, let's make it really yes. tense because I'm, I'm loving this so far. But for those um, yes. who are watching young dentists, um, some dentists are learning photography uh, and, and they think they don't know how to get a, red, get a good rest photo. So what do you say to your patient to get a good uh, oh, rest uh, That's a photo? great question, Jess. Lip at rest. You know, I'm, I'm having such a great time with you. You're asking the right questions. <laughs> you know, you Please, just tell I your patient, say, say, uh, and they uh -huh. will show this picture right there that you see. She's saying, uh, and, Amazing. and that's, so, uh, that's uh, is, how is a great one. They, uh, another way to do uh, it is Emma, Emma. So it's, it's a similar thing. And another one is exactly. uh, just drop your jaw. So if you just drop your lower jaw and they just open a little bit, that's another way. Uh, and they might produce slight differences, but you get near enough the ballpark. Thank you. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's just a great tool because then you'll know that you can maybe lengthen this patient maybe one millimeter incisally but then when she smiles boom look how much gummy tissue she has just and when she has mm -hmm. so much gum gum showing then you do your digital smile design and and you you see that for you to have good uh uh ratio uh width to length ratio you're gonna have to lengthen those teeth uh, both gingivally and incisally so I still use a uh, Facebook transfer. Now with my scanner, I, I use a, a uh, transfer that is digital, but I still use my articulators. I still do, you know, a, a wax up, an aesthetic wax up. I still do my Lucia jig, you know, to take centric relation. And then I can take a, a centric relation record in the posteriors. I do an aesthetic wax up first with my mounted models. How do I do that? I digitally smile design my patients and I'm, I, I measure the incisal edge to the cervical and I add so that I have a good length to width ratio, which is usually 80, 75% on women. And then I do a wax up. With that wax up, I first do an aesthetic one and I do a mock up. And with that mock up, I know that I have a winner as you guys in YouTube can see here, you can see on the left, the patient before, on the right, the patient with the, with the mock-up in place. And that is going to tell us how much we're going to lengthen the teeth. Once we have that, then we can transfer with the matrix with composite veneers on the anterior teeth. So I, I usually do first the gingival surgery, okay? wait three months to heal. I take bone out whenever I don't have those three millimeters for your biological width. And then once you do your gingival surgery, then if you do composite veneers, then you transfer it with your uh, 
polyvinyl siloxane matrix. And is this just a palatal? Is this just a palatal? And then you're this is uh, just freehanding the label? And, and do yes. tell us about your experiences or views on injection molding, which also seems to be going okay. quite uh, a huge intake as well. Is, it is very, very popular now. And, and this is another matrix. If, you, if you're looking at it, you can do this, use this matrix for injection technique, or you can use this one for your direct indirect technique, which you, you only use it for your incisal edges, and then you put on the front some microfill composite. So let me show you both techniques, yes. I have sure. here uh, for, for anterior teeth, you know, you start with the upper anteriors. Whenever you're doing it full mouth, you add incisal edges, and then you put uh, a microfill composite on the front, and then you polish, and then you have, you have your upper six veneers. You know, on your wax up, you already wax up the anterior disocclusion and the canine rise. And then you and, do and again, the lowers. Javier, I hope you don't mind me stopping you in your tracks, yes. but uh, uh, you know, sure. as people are uh, you're describing it, so uh, just to make it really tangible for those listening as well, when Javier's put the palatal putty stent, to, so he knows exactly where he's lengthening the teeth to, and I just want to know, Javier, in your protocol, are you first putting microhybrid as your first palatal layer for strength, or are you happy to put your microfill there for an upper incisor? No. You always need microhybrid on your incisal edges because it's the strongest material that you have. It's even stronger than your nano or spherical or microfill composite. So I would strongly recommend on incisal edges, microhybrid. And, and then you can layer in front for your buccal aesthetics, you can layer it with your microfill composite. And, How many mil are we talking with the microfill? 0.3, 0.5? Yeah, you know, if, if you're not changing color too much, you can do 0.3. If you're changing color with 0.5 millimeters, you can go from A3 to B1. It's amazing how much you can change the color of a, of a tooth with such a small amount of composite. And, and if you have a dark tooth, you know, that, that has a root canal, then, then you can use pink opaque, which is an opaque that that covers grayness. So if you have a gray or dark tooth, you use pink opaque first and then your microfill composite. And, and so every time that I have a dark tooth, I just prep a little bit more on that dark tooth so that I can put an opaque composite like this pink opaque, and then I go with my microfill. So continuing with the full mouth, you go ahead and do the lower teeth. You take, again, the matrix, you first place the, in the incisal edges your microhybrid composite, and then on your buckle, your microfill composite. And then you check your occlusion to have anterior guidance and canine disocclusion. And then on posteriors, you can do the uh, inject technique, or you can do also direct indirect technique. What I usually do is that on posteriors, I use a clear matrix which I heat up microhybrid composite with a composite heater, and then I put it on my matrix, and then I take it to the mouth and light cure it. I do it at a tooth at a time, but those are great, great onlays that you can do with microhybrid composite and a clear matrix. This material- Like Memocil or Exaclear? Memocil from Culser is great. This one is called RSVP by Cosmodent or, or Shermac. I don't know if you know Shermac materials. They have a great mm -hmm. material, a clear matrix material like this one, which is great. I use tints so that my, my anatomy shows and it looks better, you know, like brown tint or ochre. And so you can go uh, uh, with teeth that are flat and worn down to have a great onlay just with microhybrid composite. And then you can, you can check your occlusion, make sure that you have points in the back and whenever they're going to protrusive movements, they will have lines in the front. Anterior guidance and canine rise is so important. I cannot stress that as much. So you can do a full mouth rehab jazz with composite. And you know, on those young patients, 30 something, 40 something, that they don't want crowns. And they, you know, I get them all the time. You know, I've been, the, you're the third dentist and I've been offered 28 crowns and they don't want that because their teeth are still, they still have maybe 50, 70% of their tooth structure. 
And without prepping, you can open that vertical dimension of occlusion and, and you can full mouth rehab a patient without taking off a, an ounce of enamel. And that's what's valuable about dentistry nowadays. You can give your patients function and aesthetics without being a grinder. Mm-hmm. I mean, the etiology is also important, I think. It's, it's, there's a difference between a, a primary uh, erosive case and a primary attritive case. The forces, uh, in an, I mean, I, the, for, for a lower risk patient, a lower headache for dentists, you want to be treating that uh, primary erosive case because the functional demands there may be lower than the primary attritive. So that primary attritive patient will be producing higher forces. And although we uh, do our material selection uh, and we believe in the composites and we get the right thickness, minimum thickness, uh, the correct type of composite, i.e. Uh, microhybrid. Just like you said at the beginning, some patients, whatever they did to their own teeth, will put the same high forces through the resin and therefore an occlusal appliance. Uh, you know, you can do all the beautiful excursions and uh, canine-initiated disclusion, but some patients with the large masters and, and history of, of, of yes. destructive forces need an appliance, I think. Oh, definitely. They need to have a night guard. But another thing that I've that I found out, Jazz, is that I used to do a lot of a lot of uh, gold metal, a lot of zirconia, and then I found out that it's not that you need to put something stronger than their own teeth in their mouth. You have to put something that is it has this exactly the same strength as their enamel and dentin. And you know what? Uh, zirconia uh, is very very tough on teeth, very tough on on occlusions like that. And then I, I see, I, I don't see broken restorations. I see broken teeth that I need to extract, you know, after putting very tough materials on patient's mouth. So nowadays I think about, about what is a material that will live with my patient for a long time and that will not harm their teeth, put in something so strong that they will break their own teeth. Uh, and I don't know if you've noticed that we used to prep so much teeth and so, put maybe uh, porcelain fused to metal, and then your restoration will last for a long time. But what breaks is the tooth inside, and especially mm-hmm. if they need a root canal. So nowadays, you know, whenever I'm treatment planning for a full mouth, uh, and I see some teeth that already have root canals or already are, are has uh, they have root cavities or root decay, those teeth, you better replace them with uh, implants before you go ahead and try to be a hero. If you want, I mean, your restorations, Jazz, are going to last a long time. Even if you do them in porcelain or composite or zirconia or gold, what will not last a long time are those teeth that are already very badly broken or badly uh, uh, used, you know, like with root canals or, or, or deep cavities in between teeth, you know. So those teeth, you might as well trim and plant them for implants before you go ahead and try to be a hero. But if those teeth are healthy, don't grind them down. down. You just add to them whenever you need, you can do that. I do a lot of those cases whenever I have maybe 20, 30% of enamel loss because of wear either because of acid in their mouth, because they're bulimic, or because they they drink a lot of cola. In those cases, you just clean everything up, you use a rubber dam, and you micro-edge them with a sandblaster, and then you can bond to them very, very successfully. Of course, you always have to refer those patients to the gastroenterologist so that they take Mm -hmm, care of mm -hmm. their stomach problems. Or to the psychiatric, if they have bulimia, you know, that's a very common problem here. So you have to first be a doctor and, and, and look at them in the eye and say, you know, I can fix your teeth. But you, you first have to solve your problem and you have a bulimia problem. So you have to solve that because if the teeth that God, who is the mighty one, gave you, they worn down, of course, the veneers that I'm going to place are going are gonna to go away as well. Because the problem that you have comes from your stomach or comes from your brain uh, and you need to get help. And, mm-hmm. and those are things that we can help our patients. And you know what? I have some patients that they come back from the doctor and say, you know what, doctor? I, had this hu- I have this huge ulcer that I didn't know. And now they're gonna have to, uh, I'm going to have to go into surgery. And it was showing in my mouth. 
you know, or doctor, you know, I've been going to the, to the psychotherapist and, and, you know, I'm, I, I have stopped with, with the bulimia problems that I had and, and I'm very grateful. So now I'm ready to fix my teeth. And so it's a, like I told you before, jazz, it's a beautiful profession. It's a great <laughs> time to be a dentist. You know, um, you know, I wish I have three kids. You met Maripaz. I wish the three of them were dentists. They don't. The, the, one of them don't want, doesn't want to be a dentist. It's okay, but I recommend them every day to be a dentist because we can help so much our people here and in anywhere in the world with dentistry. You know, mm-hmm. we are doctors of the mouth, and this is such a great time to help people that they they are stressed and they're wearing away their teeth with either chemicals or forces that are in the wrong time and the wrong position. Very well said, and I, and I echo all those uh, sentiments. Uh, I'm going to go into, uh, again, geek mode now uh, before we uh, open yes. up the floor for, for, for general Let's discussion. Uh, and the geek yes. in me uh, is going to ask you a question that the Petrusarati are definitely hungry for because it's something that we've discussed on, on our uh, Petrusive uh, Dental Committee Facebook group many times, which is interproxal management. I'm a uh, oh. Myla Pole kind of guy, uh, and I know uh, yeah. I, I went to see Pascal Manier in uh, Edinburgh recently. He is a big fan of uh, PTFE and just taking the composite right up to the PTFE, and he's some sort of wizard like that. Um, what What is your recommendation? What is your protocol for interproxal management to prevent the composites being stuck together and getting the nice, smooth, flossable interproximal surfaces? There we have it, guys. My friend, Dr. Javier Queros, amazing composites. You must check out his work. I put all the links in the show notes so you can check out uh, the, the courses he does uh, and the kind of cases that he presented. Uh, of course, the YouTube people do get a little bit more advantage, but I made sure that any parts that aren't clear to my audio listeners, whom are the original Petrusarati, I'll always make sure that your listening experience is not hampered in any way. So I made sure that anything that was too visual, I, t- I took it out and I just stuck it on the video elements only. Do join us next time for part two with Dr. Javier Queros, where we're going to discuss the interproxal management. I left you on a bit of a cliffhanger there. We also discuss isolation techniques for composite veneers, how to prevent those dreaded stains, and what are the five P's of composite veneers. And hey, thanks so much for listening all the way to the end. If you're one of my listeners who always listens all the way to the end, thank you. If you haven't already joined Splint Course, do consider joining. It's actually as a podcast as well, because I realize that in our busy lifestyles, where do we make time for laptop education, right? Because that's the kind of a course it is, on-demand online course. So to make it more accessible, I've also got it as a podcast, and then you use a video as a reference. So if you haven't checked it out already, check out www.splintcourse.com and enroll today. I'll catch you in the next episode, guys. Thank you so much. <laughs>